the joke was that the punishment was that he was going to put it in front of your nose. (laughs) (laughs) And they knew when dad starts doing this, he's going to come over and pin you against the wall and make you smell the stinky sandal. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sams. Hello. Hi. How are you today? Don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, today has been a rough day. <laughs> like, so rough that I should be a dog that says rough, rough, rough. It all started when... Wasn't first thing this morning. No. Just noticed when you came back from running errands, I was like, something didn't go well. <laughs> well, you know that I don't do well running errands for extended periods of time. So I left around nine o'clock. I figured I'd be home by 11. No. And it was more like two. <laughs> and then had the pleasure of dealing with attorneys. Yeah. And that just riled me up. <laughs> I will say that attorney saw a side of me today that he ain't never seen. <laughs> All right. And then um, uh, what other struggles did you have? Today? I, I don't even want to talk about anything else. <laughs> we had a lady in the academy that said, I was going to type out all this stuff. And she said, I'm just, I'm done. I don't even feel like complaining. And we get that way sometimes. Like, I don't want to rehash all the crap that happened today. Mm, because it. Brings you back to that place emotionally. Yep. And I'm just ready to go to bed. (laughs) And of course, we're doing this at night. Y'all know how that goes. How does that go? I'm just not the most chipper person in the evenings. (laughs) Especially after a day like today. Yeah. It was rough today. But I do have to say, I was going through the messages in the Nacho Kids Academy. And there's this lady that did a challenge. And she got it. Finally got it. And I knew she would, but I knew it would take time. Mm-hmm. So I am so happy for her. And I am thankful that I read that today because it did bring me out of the gutter a little bit. <laughs> so all of this brings me to two points that I want to bring up for the listeners. Oh, Lord. One point is quick and easy, which is you never know how the smallest little positive thing you say to somebody can just be the highlight of their day. Yep. Now, granted, her saying that would have been the highlight of my day, regardless of anything, unless I won the lottery or something. (laughs) But that was great when she said, I get it. Mm -hmm. Or I see that I'm part of the problem. I'm like, yes. Yeah. So as you go throughout your day, and you see things that you can um, add positive things to people's lives, even something that you think's irrelevant or minute, it can make a big difference to somebody. Mm-hmm. The second thing I want to bring up is you often don't know that the way somebody might be reacting to you or in front of you has little to do with you. Oh, yeah, because even the lady at Chick-fil-A saw the disgust on my face. I mean, I I couldn't hide it. I'm not very well at hiding my facial expressions. Yeah. So just keep those things in mind because there's, 
there's going to be times where the stepkids walk in or the significant other walks in and they've not had the best of days. And it doesn't mean they have permission to take that out on you. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is oftentimes they're not going to be responsive in the way that you had hoped for. Right. And it's not always about you. No. And being understanding of that and recognizing that, like, for example, earlier when I noticed that Lori obviously was having a bad day, and even though I didn't really know why, um, you know, I don't do anything that's going to add to that. He doesn't even push my buttons when I'm like that, y'all. I don't, because I recognize that you are already aggravated about things. And even if I'm trying to be funny, it's not funny at that point. Mm -mm. So, Even with your little Play-Doh sunglasses you made. (laughs) I still made you smile though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just, just recognize those things. Keep your eyes open for things like that. Um, it, it's no different than if somebody's coming in and they're having a fantastic day and then you just rip into them and they're like, you, you know, thanks. Appreciate it. You just took an amazing day and just crap all over it. This is just the opposite. This is where somebody's had a bad day. And instead of you adding to that, you find a way to, to, cheer them up or to give them the space they need to maybe it's to let them vent. Maybe it's just to let them go somewhere and veg out, watch TV and just be away from people for a while. But whatever that is, just recognize it and be mindful of it. And it helps everybody. Yeah. Jackson did let me know that because of me, he's had a bad day too. (laughs) Sure. It wasn't me too. (laughs) No, I talked to him about it after he said that. And it was me. It's all me. (laughs) That's always, you know, uplifting. But I have to say, we've had this mass murderer going around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you've been all stressed out about that. Y'all, oh my gosh, being an empath sucks sometimes. Look, look y'all, check this out. I'm, I'm in like dead asleep. <laughs> A couple nights ago, dead asleep. And I see this light shining in my face. <laughs> and I'm thinking there's got to be one of two things, either the UFOs that my dad keeps looking for or finally <laughs> landed <laughs> or um, somebody's in my bedroom with the flashlight. No, it was neither. I look to the left and what do I see? But light shining from under the covers. I tried to hide because she's got the covers pulled over her head and she's on the phone looking at the latest updates to where the mass murderer is at like 2 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) Which I don't know if he technically classifies as a mass murderer, but he murdered supposedly two people in a neighboring town and then two people in St. Louis. And then he went on a seven or eight day running from the cops in the woods. And he needs to be on naked and afraid is what I'm saying. But... (laughs) They had over 300 cops down here, y'all. And then, of course, the weekend that Jackson's at his dad's, that's where they think he is, in that area. Is it his dad's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was within a mile or two, probably, Yeah, from the area. So, Ooh, me yeah, out. really close. And he was armed because they had a video of him stealing a gun from somewhere. Yeah, so she's been all stressed out about that for like a week. But I told her a couple of nights ago, I was like, he, he will not last two more days. For whatever reason, he'll either be caught or he'll turn himself in or something. He cannot go more than two more days. And then like a day later, they got him. Well, it's funny because your sister and I were on the phone when they had the perimeter around him. And we're thinking it's going to happen today. And we were on the phone like three hours. 
and we're like, oh, come on. And then it gets dark. So, you know, they're not going to do anything in the dark. And everybody's like, oh, well, why don't the cops just run into the woods? That's a great idea. He's got a gun. <laughs> Let's let the cops just run in, you know, blind with flashlights. Mm. But anyway, oh, TT. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tyler Terry, I think's his name. Yeah, because I always call him Tyler Perry. Yeah, he um <laughs> he's in jail now. And as much weight as he lost being in the woods for a week, I need to go live in the woods for a week. We can make that happen. David. We can have the Nacho Kids Great Escape. But it's impressive. I mean, he eluded a hundred <laughs> cops for like four days, and then they had two hundred cops for several days, and then they went to three hundred. But those cops, y'all, I tell you what. It's Hungry Heroes. The lady started this thing when a policeman got shot several years ago here in York County. And she feeds the cops while they are on these types of missions. So if you feel inclined, go to HungryHeroesBarbecue.com and donate. They also have apparel you can purchase. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know anything about that. Yes, I donated. Did you? Yeah, man. I mean, they were feeding 300 cops. They were providing them with food and snacks and Gatorade. And with them being in the woods, they had to be small things they could carry. And yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's HungryHeroesBBQ.com. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's not just Hungry Heroes, but anyway. Yeah. Well, it says feeding first responders one agency at a time. So it's not just law enforcement. It's all first responders. I'm actually going to reach out to her and see about Nacho Kids being a sponsor. Hmm. I hear you. Yep. So anyway. How about that? All that being said, I'm not on the phone at two o'clock in the morning trying to figure out what's going on with TT. <laughs> he's safe in prison. He's got food and he's got shelter now. All right. So, all right. <laughs> what else do we have going on today? I don't know, David. Uh, let's see. Oh, our guest today, which I guess is what y'all want to hear, is Tracy Poisoner. Oh. Tracy. Uh-huh. With the essential stepmom. One of my favorite people. Mine too. We've known Tracy three years, we figured out. hmm And y'all, she is awesome. She is so supportive. If I ever have any doubts of what we're doing, she'll be like, oh, y'all are awesome. And she gives great ideas and suggestions. And she's actually part of a mastermind group that we're a part of. And we are thankful to know her and be blessed by her friendship. That is true. And in this episode, we talked to her about parenting paralysis. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Listen to this and you'll see if your significant other or yourself even has parenting paralysis. David even admitted at one time he did. Yeah. Well, it's not, sometimes it's an event. So it's not like you're walking around with this all the time, but you could have it, you know, at a certain time or during a certain part of your life or things are going on or whatever. Uh, but it can happen uh, to you kind of out of the blue sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I don't want to give a whole lot away because we talk about it pretty extensively. So, right. And don't forget, we have the Barbados giveaway, nachokids.com slash giveaway. Oh yeah. It's the last weekend. Yes. If you are a member of the Nacho Kids Academy or the Nacho Kids Club, you will be entered to win the Barbados stay. Sweet. Go learn more about that because uh, it will slip away after this weekend. Yes, it will. All right, cool. Let's get to listening to Tracy. But first, a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. 
In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today we have Tracy Poisner with the Essential Stepmom. Hey, Tracy, how are you? I'm good, Lori. Thank you so much. This is this is fun. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you. We have David too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, and you guys are my favorites. You know, you just keep me going. I don't know. Uh, the best. Yeah. Well, Tracy, you you get to talk to us kind of a quote unquote off stage. Yeah. And so, you know, that we're authentic. This is, we're crazy like this, this all, is the time. It. <laughs> all the time, but I love it. I totally love it. I've, I've known you guys for, I don't know, more than three years now. Where does it wow. goes by fast? Yeah. And you're still talking to us. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's funny before we started recording, I was thinking how the first time that you and I did a recording, I was so nervous. You were? Yes. Oh my gosh. It was horrible. I was so nervous. And then today I'm like running upstairs, two minutes to go. And I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. She can do them by herself now. Yeah. I'm a big girl yeah. in more ways than one. <laughs> She's got them COVID cheeks. That's right. <laughs> well, let's stop talking about that. Yeah. So we're going to talk with you about parenting paralysis. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Yeah. it's That's a term I just came up with. And I think everybody who I say it to, you know, either laughs or, or says, Oh my God, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's true. It's it's a thing. It's a real thing. And it's like a, it's a disease of that only strikes divorced dads. I, I guess there are lots of other kinds of parents who are paralyzed, but I mean, it's a specific, it's a specific syndrome. I'm, I'm being funny now, but it's a syndrome that comes with trying to parent in an environment of extreme hostility, you know, where there's, there's a lot of conflict with the parent in the other household, Mm -hmm. where your parenting is being undermined, where the kids are being told that they don't have to listen to you, where the kids are maybe resisting even coming to see you anymore. And, you know, these, these dads get, they get just stuck, that they can't make a move without doing something wrong. And it, that that in turn becomes really hard for their wives or girlfriends to watch mm-hmm. because they they see this thing happening and they don't understand it and they don't they don't understand why their partner isn't able to do what seemed to them like normal easy things right parenting and it's not just men it can hit women too mm-hmm. and I would say that it can relate to guilty parent syndrome. And everybody, well, most everybody's heard the term Disney dad. Yeah. We don't necessarily hear the term Disney mom, but they exist yeah. too. There's Disney stepmoms. <laughs> They're the evil stepmoms. Yeah. <laughs> yes, David. <laughs> different, yeah, di- different kind of Disney, I guess. But Yeah. So I, I remember going through that, the parental paralysis back in the day. And I, I explained it to Lori one time. I said, it's it, it's literally like I put my head in a vice and just crank it down. Like no matter what direction, what decision I make, it's going to hurt somebody. Somebody's going to be mad at me. And 
I had a herd that was going to be mad at me. I had my kids that were going to be mad at me. I had my parents and, and extended family. I had my ex. I mean, it's like no matter what decision I made, I just I was having to choose who was I going to hurt, not who was I going to help. Yeah. And I got to the point where, like you say, it's just I just didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to make any decision because no matter what decision I made, it wasn't going to be a good one for somebody. Well, we talk about this a lot, and actually this is perfect timing because we did a course yesterday for the Academy on guilty parent syndrome for the bioparent that has the guilty parent syndrome, not for the stepmom of how to deal with the bioparent that has it, yeah. but it's kind of why you have it and how to deal with it. That's great. If you discipline your child and they go back to buy a mom and say, well, daddy said, da, 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 or daddy made me do this. And then she's texting him saying, how dare you make little Susie make her bed up in the morning? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call DSS on you, you evil man. And it just causes problems. But think about it. Kids play both parents in a nuclear home. Of course. And in a nuclear home, most of the time, the parents still love each other. And in the blended home, the bio parents, obviously, had issues. And most of the time they don't get along or co-parent well. Yeah. And that would just contribute more to your parental paralysis. Yeah. And I think that I, I agree totally with what you said. Kids are likely to play both parents all the time. And in a traditional nuclear first family home, the both the parents are sort of aware of that. Mm -hmm. And and they are trying to not let the kids get away with that. And in a you know, in a post-divorce situation, one of the parents is actually taking advantage of that and they're inflaming that and they're using that. Mm -hmm. So it's a natural, it's a natural urge of kids to push and see what they can get away with and, and resist and, and try to play parents off each other. And, you know, that then that natural tendency gets used as a weapon by the other parent. And that's where it, that's where you end up in a situation where you're like David said, like you've just got your head in a vice and you can't move and you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's been a point of particular interest for me uh, just because I, I love to work on those kind of problems. And I love to, I love to help people untangle that kind of problem to figure out really what the, what the different issues are and work on them one at a time instead of, you know, just kind of looking at a giant hairball and not knowing where to begin. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this when you brought up the parental paralysis. And I'm proud of myself for saying that right, because I feel like I'm going to get stuck on the P's. Just say PP. PP. PPD. Parental paralysis disorder. <laughs> when crap. <laughs> <laughs> she just had brain oh, paralysis. <laughs> We've heard of fight and flight. Mm -hmm. And there's also freeze. That's right. So the parental paralysis could fall up under that category of the freeze. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. And, you know, you and I hear on a daily basis, women complaining that, that their partner doesn't follow through mm -hmm. with the kids on whatever he said. And that somebody says, if you, if you don't, uh, whatever, do your homework, clean up your room, whatever the thing is, this is going to happen or we're not going to get to do that. And then they just cave and they don't follow through with the consequence. Mm -hmm. So the, the problem with that is that I, there are a lot of problems with it, but <laughs> from the woman's point of view, 
um, this is like a really unsexy thing mm-hmm. to, to see a dad who is being walked over or who is like not able to stand in his boots as a parent and say, here's what I said was going to happen. Be a man. Be it, Well, there is part of it that's be a man. There's part of it. But the other part of it is that sometimes guys, I mean, it can happen to women too, but I'll, we'll be talking about the dads anyway in this context. Sometimes guys are not very clever <laughs> about the consequences that they announce are coming so that you're threatening a consequence that you don't have any intention of following through with. Like, that's a bad idea. You need to pick another consequence so that you can follow through with it. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give you a little example because my husband was just, he was just really good with this. And I remember noticing it at the time. It's many years ago now when his kids were little and they're all grown up now, but he used to do this thing with them. <laughs> I'm laughing now when I think about it. He used to wear those Birkenstock sandals, you know, those leather sandals with the straps mm-hmm. on top. And, and, and of course, like, they get old and then they smell really bad, right? Mm-hmm. But it's sandals, right? So anyway, when he'd get mad at his kids, he would take off one sandal and he would smack his smack the sandal against his hand, like as if he was going to come over and whack them on the behind with the sandal. But the joke was that the punishment was that he was going to put it in front of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> and they knew when dad starts doing this, he's going to come over and pin you against the wall and make you smell the stinky sandal. Oh. And it was funny, uh-huh. but it was also a consequence. So they knew that there was a limit and he would enforce what he said he was going to do. But it was also in a kind of a playful and funny way so that it wasn't, it didn't feel heavy in order. It didn't feel heavy for him to assert himself and <laughs> to stand in his sandals, as it were, as a dad and to say, I'm your dad. I said, no, that's enough now. Here's the punishment. But it was, it didn't have to be, I'm taking away your iPad for a week or whatever, or you're, you're grounded. Like it wasn't something, the punishment wasn't heavy and serious. It just had to be something that you can do. You can do what you say that you're going to do. Yeah. We tell people all the time, make sure if you do discipline your kids, your bio kids, to let the punishment be something that you're going to stand by. Exactly. So if you know that you're going to give in an hour after telling them they can't have their iPad for a week, then just make it you're not getting it for an hour. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, here's what happens is you you hope as the parent that if the consequence sounds so bad that maybe they won't do the thing and you don't have to enforce it. Yeah. But what you do is you back yourself into a corner. Exactly. Because you're like, oh, if you do that again, you're grounded for a month. Yeah. That and was my mama. I'm telling you, she, her starting point was a month. Yeah. And so <laughs> you're just like, okay, that that's so serious of a consequence. They're just not going to do it. But then they do it and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just uh, people have the idea that the, you know, the punishment has to fit the crime. Mm-hmm. And it it doesn't have to. The punishment has to be, it has to be something that you will, that you will do. It's a moment between you and your child. Right. And it, it doesn't have to be something severe. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the, the step parents disagree on what the, you know, what the punishment ought to be. And of course, you know, the answer to that, right? It's none of your business. Nacho. <laughs> 
that the, the punishment is whatever, you know, whatever it should be, as long as it's something. And I'll, I'll just give you another practical example here um, from, from my husband's list of things. But uh, back in the day when he was still with his ex-wife, and the, the kids were really little and they three kids, kids fight with each other. Of course they do. And as you're the, you know, the run up to Christmas, everybody's getting kind of rangy and they're saying, you know, they're not listening and whatever. And he said, he told them every time, every time I have to stop you from fighting with each other, we're adding 15 minutes onto the waiting time for your presence in the morning. <laughs> and he would say, Oh, I, that's another 15 minutes, you know? And he said, they actually sat in front of the tree for two hours <laughs> on Christmas morning. So the, what, what she wanted to do was say, you know, she would say, that's it. I've had it with you. You're not getting any presents. Mm-hmm. I'm telling Santa to take all the presents back, you know, and he'd say, oh, for God's sakes, like, you know, you're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So don't say it. So he just, it was clever and he made them sit there and they didn't forget it. But of course, they got all their presents. And that's the clever part is because it's not like he told them they could come down there two hours later. Yeah. He made them sit there and wait. Yeah. No, it's not time yet. No, that's a half an hour's gone. Another hour and a half to wait. You know, it was excruciating, but it's so like you have to be smarter. You just have to like be a little creative with the with the things. Well, a lot of times, like in that scenario, Oftentimes, the parent is also having to accept some of that punishment. Yeah. Because I'm having to, as a parent now, I'm having to sit there and wait two hours for my kids to to, to do Christmas and open the gifts and for yeah. me to enjoy that. And time a, it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I need an app to keep up with all the 15-minute things. I need one of these little clickers. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I won't tell the story, but I actually had a Christmas one time where I did take all of one of my kids' presents back. Tell the story. Wow. Did you really? You really did it? I did. Yeah. Now, this was when he was married because, see, this is pre-parental paralysis. <laughs> yeah. So we had um, a Christmas where everybody got what they asked for because every year I would make them make a list of all these things you want. I mean, I don't care how long the list is. I, I want options of what yeah. I'm going to pick. And so yeah. I always get you know, what they want. They don't get everything on the list, but they get things from the list. Mm-hmm. And so one of my kids, and I don't remember how old he was, he was probably six or seven at the time, but he didn't like anything that I got him, anything. He complained about every bit of it. And I was like, this is everything that you want. Well, not everything you wanted, but this, everything you got was something that was on your list. And he's like, I don't like any of it. And I said, fine. Then it all goes back. And he's like, wow. And so he looks at me like, yeah, right. Uh-huh. And I packed it all up in the car and I took it back to the store and he didn't get anything. I didn't, I didn't give him another chance later. I didn't take the money and buy other stuff. Yeah, nothing. He good got for you. nothing that year. Good for you. But there's no way that you could ever do that in a, you know, as a, as a dad after divorce. Right. There's no way that you, would you have can never done that. use that parenting tool. And I totally support you in having done that, mm-hmm. but there's no way that you ever would have pulled that one out. I, I probably wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, cause I, I'm, I am sitting here on the other side of the teenage years Yeah, looking back. And I know that I parented differently than I would had, yeah. had there not been a divorce and the mean evil yeah. stepmom coming to the picture and all this other stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> Y'all can't see my face, but it took me yeah. a second when he said that, and then my eyes got big. Well, I remember a time. Now, you have to remember, Avery, the oldest, is only a year older than the triplets. They all went to the same school, private school. They all had friends that they shared. They were supposed to go to a birthday party. Well, something happened, and David told them they were not going to that birthday party. Then he loads them up and takes them to the birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> and his defense was, there was going to only be like one other kid at the party besides was, my four yeah, kids. I was bringing, I was bringing everybody so to the party. bringing the whole party. And so yeah. I really felt like I'm punishing this kid, you know? For his birthday party. But so it, the problem is that it was it was unfought out when you said, if you do this, exactly. you're not going to the party. That was the moment yep. the, of the wrong thing. Like, yeah. I picked the wrong thing. So it goes back to what I said earlier. You you think that if if I say something like this, they certainly will not do the thing because <laughs> they want to go to the party. And then they did it anyway. And now I'm like, ugh. Am I going to follow through with it or am I not? Because if I follow through with it, now this kid's not going to have a birthday party except for one other kid that shows up, <laughs> you know, and I'm probably going to be hated by not only the other kid, yeah. but his parents as well. The whole yeah. school at that yeah. point. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm just, I back myself into a bad corner on that one. But here's what's funny. When he said that, I'm like, look at him being a, you know, stern mm-hmm. daddy. And then he loads him up in the car and I'm like, weakling, weakling. <laughs> no, see, she should have looked at me and said, that was a bad option. To pick that. Yeah. You probably need to go yeah. back and undo that real quick. Rewind. <laughs> we weren't there yet. Yeah. No, <laughs> we weren't out there yet. But <laughs> when people start talking about that with their significant other and they're like, I find him less attractive or I don't find him attractive or I find him almost disgusting. I've seen that. Yeah. I find him disgusting because he won't parent his kids. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Did you fall in love with him because of how he parented his kids? (laughs) No. Back up. The things you love about people usually end up being the things you hate about them. Mm -hmm. You love their kindness, except for when it comes to bio mom. You love their flexibility and the fact they don't get mad, except for when it comes to their kids and you want them to get mad. So you have to step back and look at things and say, first of all, let me understand why they may be doing these things. They're afraid they're going to lose their kids. They're afraid that their kids are going to go to buy moms and not want to come back. I mean, there is true fear in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's legitimate. It's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they're getting them for a, a weekend. You know, they only have them for two or three days. Yeah. It's like, okay, are you going to, as soon as they get there, you're going to enforce this, you know, restriction? Exactly. You don't want to spend your whole weekend in a timeout. Right. And you don't, as a step parent, don't ever push your significant other to parent his kids like you think he should because he will resent you for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one day the shoe will be on the other foot. Hush, David. <laughs> 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 no, I, I agree with you completely. So what would you say are some examples of parenting paralysis? Well, just pretty much like what we've been talking about this inability to follow through with consequences because they don't understand um, how to, like, you, it, it's a skill, this idea of making new consequences. You have, to, it's, you have to think about it. You have to plan for it. You have to have some responses ready. You know, you can't just be trying to pull them out of thin air at, in the moment when you're angry. You have to have some, you have to practice 
some things and have them ready. Mm-hmm. And just being this feeling of being kind of undone, like they, you know, everybody struggles with the transition time. When the kids come, they're swinging off the chandeliers for however long. And it's usually in some proportion to the length of the visit. But like, I remember when my husband's kids were little and they didn't come here so often because they lived really far away. But I remember just how hard it was. Like you'd, you know, you'd, they'd come here on Friday afternoon and finally Sunday morning would roll around and you'd be going, oh, thank you. This is lovely. Like, why couldn't it have been like this the whole time? And they, it's, you're almost ready to pack them up and send them home. You know, it's like learning the rhythms uh, of how the kids are and not, not being kind of victimized by the difficult behaviors that come along every time they arrive mm-hmm. for a visit. Finding a way to, to put some routine and rhythm into your own life and into your the time that you have with your kids so that it, it helps you as a parent also, as well as helping the kids a lot to have those routines and rituals that are the same every time so that the kids can really relax into that. And you as a parent also, like it takes away so much of the unknown mm-hmm. from, from what's coming so that you can also relax into how to do it. And, you know, I don't know, like parents need support for this. And I understand that it happens for moms as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't happen to deal with bio moms who are in this situation, I work exclusively with with biological dads and their new partners who are the stepmoms. That's the only that's the only part of this that I have any personal experience to to offer. You know, I I'm also a mom. I am a mom, and I'm a divorced mom. But I didn't have I didn't have any struggle around that. You know, I didn't have any conflict with my ex husband around parenting or around alienating our child or anything like that. That that stuff didn't happen. So I I can't speak from my personal experience at all to that. And see, I can. I know it. So (laughs) that's why it makes it makes sense for you to do that work. And it it wouldn't make sense for me at all. It's sad because you're thinking, yes, I need to punish little Johnny. How dare him do that? But then in the back of your head, something's like, but you don't want him to go live with his, say he wants to live with his dad forever. And it is an overwhelming feeling that, yes, it paralyzes you. It stops you from lightening that child's butt like you think you would yeah. if you were in a nuclear relationship. Yeah. And it's not for fear that his dad will say anything to me because, I mean, no matter what I do, it's wrong in his eyes. But it's the fear of Jackson wanting to take the path of least resistance and go live with dad that would have more relaxed morals, we'll say, <laughs> than I would. Yeah. Well, and... I mean, this is the other thing when, when kids, like, it doesn't matter how old they are when you get divorced, it can be 10 years later. I just spoke to a couple who had full custody of his kids for like 15 years. And they're now in their late teens and early twenties. They've gone to live with mom for crying out loud. Like, where did that come from? You know, they're just, these people are in shock that they've gone to live with mom and they're they've pretty much cut off contact. And this was after like having had full custody of them for since they were little wee kids. So it's so easy for a parent to to take advantage of these developmental moments where it's natural for kids to want to separate from their parents. It's a developmental directive. They have to do it. And they need to break away from their parents in order to, you know, to become individuals, to become adults. And it's really sad when the one parent says, that's right, 
that's right. You, you are really mad at your mom now. And this would be the moment, you know, I'll, here's a bedroom that's open for you. You tell your mom that you don't need her for anything anymore. And the kid just goes, yeah, this is great. It's awful, but this happens. Mm -hmm. And it even happens, as I said, many years down the road. So this kind of deer in the headlights moment of like, what just happened? And how do I get this back on track? It's, it's a very real thing. I do like the idea that you brought up, Tracy, though, about kind of... The stinky shoe. <laughs> yeah. I love the stinky shoe <laughs> I idea. <do> too. <laughs> uh, or some socks. <laughs> but um, uh. I like the idea of coming up with your consequences, you know, for the crime way beforehand so that when, yeah. when it happens, you're not grabbing something out of thin air, which I think is what right. most parents do. I know that's what I did is the matter I was, the worse the consequence was. And right. typically it never got enforced because it... It was crazy, the consequence. Yeah. It was something I wasn't going to enforce. Um, I, I agree. And so having that kind of pre-written out, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this, maybe a level one, level two, level three consequence. And I know I'll follow through with any of them. And that way I don't have to try to grab something out of thin air when I'm mad and something's happening. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that idea. That makes a lot of sense. And it's like anything that you want to prepare for when you're not mad, right? Like that it's, you want to have, you want to have difficult conversations when you're not mad Mm -hmm. because you, you know, you don't think well then. So it's great to have like a little stable of things that you, you know, that you suggest, but uh, you know, we, none of us, we don't think clearly when we're mad. (laughs) And so you need to prepare yourself so that you, so that you can rely on something. It's like anything. It's like, it's like how you deal with, with your, you know, like basic anger management issues or like addiction or something like you, you can't be, you, you need to think about what you're going to do in a sober moment mm-hmm. that you're going to rely on when you have less emotional stability or whatever. But something that I like to suggest is to be, and it goes back to the like routines and stuff, but if you build things into your day and into your routine with your kids that are little extras to look forward to, you can always modify or take away a little extra because it was extra already. And you're not taking away something really fundamental about your relationship. So it's like, come on and have dinner. You know, if everybody comes promptly to dinner, uh, we'll have cookies for dessert. If you're always putting forward the, the little carrot, you just have to take away the carrot. You don't ever have to break out the stick. So you know, you can say, we're going for ice cream. And if everybody behaves in the back seat on the way there, you get a medium. And if I have to break you up from fighting, we're all getting baby sized cones. Hmm. You're not going to say I'm turning the car around and we're going home. You're going to get the small one and they're going to complain and they'll know that they didn't get the big, it, they're going to know that they are getting a punishment, but that it's easy enough to, it's easy enough to give the consequence because it's not taking away the whole thing. It's bedtime. And if you get ready for bed, we're going to read an extra chapter of your book tonight or an extra two pages. And if it doesn't happen, you only get the regular amount of stories. You don't get the extra little bit or whatever. So if you're always paving the way with those little, the little carrots or bribes, it doesn't matter. You know, you you don't have to be giving them a $5 every time they brush their teeth, but if, if you're paving your way with the little extras along the way, then then 
it doesn't feel so hard to take away something that was an extra to begin with. Mm-hmm. I like that. My mom, she was a disciplinarian in our home. Mm. And if something happened and nobody fessed up to it, we all got in trouble. Mm. And it made me so mad. I was on restriction half the time for stuff I didn't do. Mm. Just because one of my sisters, I'm not going to say who, <laughs> you would have thought super glue was on her mouth. She was not <laughs> telling on herself for nothing. And it was, well, none of you are going, well, that's not fair. Well, it is fair because I don't know who did it. So you're all punished. And I know David, he's got a story about the, we'll turn this car around and go back home. They were on the way to the mountains. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was when I was a kid. And his parents told him and his sister to quit fighting. They didn't quit fighting. The parents threatened, we're going to turn this car around, take you back home. And they did. They dumped David and his sister off at the grandparents' house, and then they went back on their trip. Yeah, and they were, I mean, we were at the mountain. We were like two hours away from home. We, I mean, we could see the mountains in the distance. Oh, wow. And they turned the car around, and I'm sitting there going, okay, you know, we'll go a couple miles or so. We'll be quiet. We'll behave. They'll turn back around. And so we just, we sat there, and we were quiet. And they kept going and kept going. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you and Angie are looking at each other like, oh, my God. I'm like, they are actually going to take us back home. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> wow. I, I do have a funny story that I told. Um, I got mad at my kids one time. I think the triplets were probably like four or five. And I remember it was Ethan. And I remember telling them, I said, if I have to stop this car, you're going to walk home. Uh-huh. And I forgot that I said it. And like five minutes later, <laughs> I stopped the car because they were fussing. And he started screaming bloody murder. I didn't know what was going on. He was like grabbing onto the seat and screaming. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, don't put me out, daddy. Don't put me out. <laughs> I was like, oh, I forgot I even said that. <laughs> he thought I was stopping oh to put gosh. him out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, like, can you imagine as a divorced dad and stepmom turning the car around and taking your kids to your parents and going off on your holiday? Like, impossible. My kids would have been like, that was Lori's doing right there. Yeah. She's the one that made Daddy do that. He would never would have done that on his own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but your ex would have been all over that. I mean, Ooh, yes. you got email after email for not taking them to Sports Connection every weekend. I can't imagine if you did something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tracy, here's the worst. I always remember the, the, the worst times in the world was when the kids, it was on a Monday morning. We did change over like at school. I would take them to school on Monday morning or Lori would. And then the bio mom would pick them up. Mm-hmm. They would inevitably, they would do something Monday morning. And you're like, when you get back a week from now, this is your punishment. <laughs> so your last <laughs> encounter with them is a bad one. Yeah. And then you feel like crap the whole week. They don't care because they're at fun mom's house and they come back and you're surely not going to punish them because you've missed them for a week and Whatever annoyed you that got them put on restrictions no longer an issue. Mm-hmm. And the stepmom sitting there going, "Hey, you remember last week? What you gonna do about that?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pre nacho. <laughs> yeah, but that's like I don't know. It, it's um, this. This is where something comes down to choosing your battles, mm-hmm. picking your battles. Like you have to be, you have to get really clear with yourself about what's what's important to you and and knowing what 
which kind of values are important and in what way was something really important violated here? Right. You know, is it respect? Is it truthfulness? Whatever. Like, and it doesn't mean that you can't have a conversation when the kids come back and say, I got to talk about what happened last week when I'm assuming that it was Monday morning and they were acting up to Lori, you know, mm-hmm. because you weren't home. More than likely. It, <laughs> That's what she says anyway. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have those conversations and say like, this, this can't be, this can't be happening because this is really important to me. It's important to me that you learn to be respectful. I'm, I'm your dad. I'm raising you to be good people. I don't want to hear these kind of stories or I'm leaving Lori in charge here and I don't want her to like tattle on you, but I expect you to be respectful. I'm, I'm raising you to learn how to behave to people. And even when you're mad, even if you don't like somebody, those, those things are going to be part of your life. You're going to not like your teacher. You're going to not like your boss. You're going to not like a coworker. You're not, you're going to not like your brother-in-law, your husband. You have to learn. (laughs) You have to learn how to, (laughs) how to handle yourself in those situations. So that, that conversation obviously changes the, according to the age of the kids or whatever, but it doesn't make any more sense to punish a kid for something a week later than it does a dog for something a week later. Like it's gone. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the train has left the station. So you can, you can try to manage it by those kind of the guidance sort of conversations, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can just apply a punishment sort of retroactive to something that happened a long time before. I grew up in the days where your parents could beat you and your neighbors could beat you. It was okay. It was expected that if you did something wrong in the presence of another adult, that they would tear your tail up. Wow. Well, my dad never laid a hand on me. He could wiggle his toe and it would break my heart because I had disappointed my daddy. My mama could beat me with an inch of my life and I'd still just stare at her. (laughs) And I think back, And I'm like, why was I that way? And I really feel like, and I'm sure there's some kind of psychologist, psychiatrist that's listening that can tell me exactly what happened. But I feel like that at a young age, my mom was just constantly on me. Don't do this. Don't do that. Popping your tail for doing something. Whereas my dad wasn't like that. So when I saw that he was bothered by something that I did, it affected me like I had stabbed him or something. I mean, it was just... Because your mom was bothered by everything. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. (laughs) Look, she had three of us and (laughs) my daddy, Uh, so... (laughs) Yeah, but that's just it, too. Like, you can get discipline fatigue or whatever. Like, it's just like, you know, you're bothered by everything. So you just get used to it. Like, I can't do... No matter what I do, it's not going to be right for Mm -hmm. you. So go ahead and whack my behind because it's just... It becomes meaningless. But I, I want to ask, like, was your dad somebody who was relatively encouraging of you, like who who kind of made you feel good about yourself in some way? No. No, eh? No. Interesting. Very negative. For instance, if I made a 97 on a test, well, obviously you didn't study. <laughs> <laughs> or even, you know, you see him today and it's, God, you've gained weight mm. or your hair looks horrible. <laughs> so, no, no. I do remember one time, and this was within the last five years, he said, I read one of your blogs you wrote about Nacho Kids, and I think you're a really good writer. I about passed out and died. (laughs) (laughs) That was like winning the lottery. 
I mean, yeah. I didn't react to him like that. But for my dad to say something positive and be supportive was just not natural. Wow. And my mom wasn't either. How'd she turn out so, so nice? Well, when I give her praise, you know, she's always looking for that. Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. What do you want from me? I mean, what do you want from well, me? That's yeah. because of ex-relationships. <laughs> is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that a lot of it is because I didn't want to be so negative. Mm. Being around that negativity all the time, I saw the toll that it took on my mom's health and her well-being. And she was a miserable person. Mm. It was rare that you saw her happy, and it was sad. Only when I was around. Yeah. Oh, she loved David. Everybody oh, yeah. loves David. First time my sister met him, she's like, he got a brother? I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. You have to make the best out of things, even the worst situation. And I joke all the time, but I'm serious. I would call my mom and go, hey, what are you doing? Getting ready to go take a shower. Like, why are you upset about that? And my sister used to do it, too. You'd call her. And, you know, who call her ID back in the day, yeah. old-timey phones. She'd go, what? <laughs> so one day I said, you know what? I'm going to do that to her. So she called me and I said, what? What's wrong with you? Why are you being mean to me? I'm not talking to you and hung up on me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you can act like that towards me, but I can't yeah. act the same way towards you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when she calls her dad because he always answered the phone. He's like, she says, what are you doing? He goes, I'm dying. <laughs> Every time. Every time, I'm dying. <laughs> yep, he's always dying. He's, he's not wrong. We all are. But we all are. It's very true. I told him, I said, you know, the people who look forward to death hang around the longest. Yeah, like David's grandmother. She's 95. I think that's yeah, what we figured yeah, out. she's 95. And I mean, she wow. still lives by herself. Oh, my goodness. Got her all of her wits about her. And she's been <laughs> dying for 30 years, 40 maybe. Yeah. I don't know. but She's dude, a mess. I'm like, you're not going anywhere because you want it too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you see her, she goes, you know, this might be the last time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it might be. <laughs> But I have a feeling all of us are going to go before you. I know. She's going to be 130 and we'll be dead. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yep. So you gave us a lot of good suggestions with the parenting paralysis, how to deal with that. I don't think, and you can tell me from your experience, but I don't think it's something that you can just tell yourself to snap out of. You have to make a conscious effort to overcome it and to take those steps to overcome it while you're telling yourself, I'm doing these things for the benefit of my relationship as a parent with my child to nurture them. It's not a bad thing to parent your kid because they need it and you need it. Yeah. So I, you're right. You don't sort of spontaneously snap out of it, but I think that you work towards it by connecting with what you want your kids to take from their time with you. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the parents that we're all working with are seeing their kids only part of the time. And, and childhood goes by really fast, right? Yes. I mean, we are in a position now to know that, you know, all of our kids are out the other side of teenagehood and you blink and it's, and it's over. I heard someone say, or I read it written somewhere. Actually, there's a website where you can see how they, how they did this calculation, but that 95% of the time that you are going to spend with your kids happens before they're 18. 
It's scary. You going to depress me? It's scary. I mean, you, like, as, you know, you're like you're with them all the time until they're seventeen, eighteen, and as soon as they go off to college or to work or whatever, they're going to come home as visitors, mm-hmm. and your time with them is limited, and the clock is ticking, and you need to spend some time thinking: What do I have to leave my kids with? What do they need? What do they need from me in order to become? well-adjusted adults, Mm -hmm. successful, prosperous people. What do they need from me? And how am I going to give that to them? Right. And I think that's the motivation to, to snap out of the paralysis and say, you know, they need to see modeling of what a husband looks like, of what a father looks like. And, you know, your daughters are looking to you to unconsciously model the kind of man that they're going to be with. Mm -hmm. So they're looking to you and they're going to say, this is what a dad this is how a dad is. This is how a husband is. And I, I think that that's the, the vibe, you know, that helps dads anyway, to, to overcome this kind of paralyzing inability to, to do any kind of discipline or parenting or guiding of their kids, that you, you have to trust in the idea that it's of value to them to see you, you know, kids want to, kids want to be contained. They want to know that, you can sort of metaphorically wrap your arms around them tightly and and contain them even at their worst moments. They want to know that that they can bring it on as hard as they can and that and that you are strong enough to contain them. It's not even about controlling them. It's about protecting them that they're going to push the boundaries and look for how they can behave and what they can try out and they need to know that you're metaphorically there ready to grab the back of their t-shirt when they're about to run across the freeway. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to know that you're there, that you've got their back and that you're not going to let them act in a way that could really uh, harm them. Right. And in order to do that, you have to feel the the importance of your own contribution to your kids' lives. Mm -hmm. You you bring up an interesting point about their age. I I remember when, when my kids hit, that 16 year mark, mm. 17 year mark, I started freaking out. I, I could feel it. Like I knew that my time with them was coming to a close. Mm. Um, I, uh, I already knew that they were eyeing going into the military. And so as soon as they graduated high school, they would be gone. My oldest did that kind of, kind of last minute, really just pops up one day and is like, I'm joining the Air Force. I'm like, what? I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, you, you know, you've got all this time you feel like you, th- th- that's on your side at one point. You've got all these things you want to do with your kids and all this stuff you want to impart to them. And, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm almost out of time. Yeah. And I know for me, it, it drastically changed a lot that I did with my kids because I was like, you need to spend time with me. You need to go to the store with me. You need to do this with me. You know, you need to help me wash dishes. And do, I mean, I just wanted every bit of time I could get with them. And the and the and they were going. I need to go hang out with my friends, and I need to go do. This. And I'm like, you know, it just it was crazy. And so, I can't give a specific parenting incident that may have happened during that time frame, but I'm absolutely sure that I was not wanting to enforce any discipline because I'm already in my head going. I'm at my last few months with them yeah. and they're going to be gone. 
and, and they are. They all left at <laughs> nearly the same time. Yeah. And, and, of course, three of them went to the military and one moved out uh, to, to start his own little journey. And, I mean, I see them over Facebook Messenger video and stuff like that. But as far as seeing them in person, it doesn't happen very much anymore. I remember one day Jackson came to me and said, hey, why don't you ride me to Harbor Freight? I'm like, that is the last thing I want to do. But something stopped me. I had plenty of work to do. I was in the middle of editing a podcast. You know, all the stuff's going on. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. So I went. A lot of times we do have to say, you know what? Whatever I'm doing right now, it can wait. Because your kid's not going to want you to go with him to Harbor Freight in a couple of years. <laughs> you might as well go. Even if it's just because he wants you to pay for it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely okay. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, just today, my stepdaughter knocked at my office door and she said, um, do you have time this afternoon? You want to go for a walk? And I said, you bet. I just closed my computer and and went. I mean, there's always an excuse to to not mm-hmm. do that. But but I feel so I feel so privileged, really, that. Um, that we're getting this extra bit of time with her because mm-hmm. uh, she kind of changed streams and decided to change schools and go to, you know, live at home and go to college from home. And so she had already been away on her own. And, and I thought, well, that's it. You know, she, well, now she's, now she's back and it's like this extra bonus time. And I really cherish it. That's good. I do. Mm-hmm. Now, Jackson, he oftentimes will remind Lori that you should be nice to me because at some point in your life, I will choose which home that you are placed in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you oh, know, you know, Tracy, I remember numerous times, Lori and I having conversations about parenting and how I honestly just felt like I was doing a terrible job at parenting. And probably it didn't help none that my ex was enforcing that feeling of not doing yeah. a good job. And, and she would tell me, you're doing the, you're doing fine. You're a fantastic day. And I'm like, I don't care what you say. It doesn't feel like it. I feel like I'm, it sucks. Everything I do sucks and I'm not doing anything the way I wanted to do it. I'm not imparting any of the values I wanted to impart. And then just actually yesterday, there was a, I think Inc magazine online had this article about eight things to do to create, to raise successful kids. Mm-hmm. And so I don't recall what the eight things were, but most of them were things that I have done to some degree. But I remember one, the, one of them, I think number four was like, let, let your kids see you when you fail. Mm. And so I sent the article to my kids yesterday and I said, looks like I did a pretty decent job. And I said, and whenever number four happens, I'll let you know. <laughs> and and so they all responded back to me and they were like, you know, LOL. And they're like, dad, yeah. you did a fantastic job. You're awesome, dad. You know, I hope that I can be like you. And, you know, all, for all the times where I felt like I was falling flat on my face, my kids still looked at me like I was the hero. Yeah. And so I think we beat ourselves up a lot as parents. And yeah. at the end of the day, I think we do a pretty decent job with what we've got to work with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I said in a in a letter to my email community a couple of weeks ago, I said, you are the best dad for your kids. The minute you wake up in the morning, you really don't have to do anything special to be the best dad because you're the only dad they'll ever have, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they are wired inside to 
seek your approval. Just like Lori, you said for your dad, it's not even anything you could say about about how he spoke to you or treated you. You were just like wired to want his approval. Mm-hmm. And and the thing that um, the encouraging thing, anyway, that I think helps dads in these kind of situations is that developmentally, kids need more from their dad, or I'm going to say from their like father function, which is not necessarily their dad, because sometimes the mom, you know, both parents are doing both functions. But dad has the energy of bringing kids into the world, you know, and bringing them into adulthood. And the, the father function is about things like competitiveness and charisma and achievement and drive and those qualities that that kids need to move into the adult world and so they have an inner an inner desire to get more of that from dad as they get older and i think that that gives dads an advantage that they they don't maybe recognize until i point it out to them mm-hmm. and that your kids are going to inside be wanting more and more of you even as they're pushing you away uh, so just knowing that I think can can help give you the confidence to just keep really focusing on who you are and what's important to you. And again, like when you when you have minimal time and you want to be making the maximum impact, you want to be relating everything that happens to your important core values. So like when you said, how am I going to give my kids what I, you know, the the values that I want them to know to know and have, it's relating everything to something that's important to you. That's how you do it. You say this behavior is not okay because it's violating this this thing that I need you to know this is important. That's why this thing is wrong. It's not because I said so. It's because I feel so strongly about this. And, you know, you can't have a hundred things you feel strongly about. You need to have like two or three things that are, you know, that I that I don't feel that I've done my job unless I impart these things to my kids. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're going from there outwards, then it's always meaningful and it's easy to stand your ground when you're connected to what's important to you instead of feeling like, I know I'm saying like, you're not allowed to do that, but it kind of feels hollow, you know, and it, maybe it is hollow. Like you, that's how you pick your battles. And that's how you know when you really have to put your foot down because it's crossing a line of something that really means a lot to you. I know a lot of times in blended families, the two bio parents may have completely different moral standards, expectations of their kids, so on and so forth. And a lot of times we see parents get discouraged because they're like, I only have them so often. I'm not able to put this in them all the time. But what it is, you're planting those seeds. Right. Those seeds are planted and the older they get, they will grow. Yeah. Because we were all kids. We all thought our parents were stupid, <laughs> didn't know anything. But the older we get, we see those seeds that were planted in our lives that made us who we are. And no, it might not be something that was drilled into us every single day. It could be one instance, but those seeds are planted. So just because you don't see your kids exhibiting the behaviors you want them to, to feel like you have had that impact on them doesn't mean that it's a lost cause or that you're a crappy parent. No, of course. And it like the whole maturity process takes a really long time, right? Um, I mean, it takes years and years. And 
people can despair and say, you know, my 12 year old is not, you know, behaving. I'm like, whatever, you know, you've got 10 years to, until you'll start seeing this happen, especially, especially, okay, this last weekend, like how many, how many women did we hear from who said, you know, my, how come my stepkids don't at least acknowledge me? At least they should know that I'm the mother of their little brother or something like that. I mean, are you serious? Like, because you're not their mom, people. <laughs> yeah, of course. But there, it's just like, okay, that's a particular kind of unrealistic expectation. But I, so I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But but I really believe that that goodness is going to win. You know, like when you're standing in a place of modeling goodness and you're really standing in integrity with who you are and you're connected to what's important to you, nothing can compete with that. Mm -hmm. So like the, the bullying model and the nastiness model and the mean girl model, like that, that gets you so far in life because you're, you're pushy and you're irritating and you take what you want. And, and it's a kind of just go out into the world and smash and grab kind of attitude. But, they are going to, they can't do other than encounter books and movies and songs and theater and images all around them that reinforce the idea of the value of, of goodness and integrity. Mm-hmm. And they recognize where they have a model of that in their lives. It's, you know, be not, it's, I would say more than saying that the parents don't agree on their morals and values, I think they become completely polarized. And uh, we certainly saw it in our situation that there was this unbelievable polarity, like that if dad wants to eat healthy, we're going to do the total opposite. If dad thinks that, you know, saving your money in a piggy bank is a good idea, we're going to spend, you know, wantonly and have debt. And if dad thinks that exercise and getting outside in the fresh air is good, we're going to stay inside and only watch, you know, it became a kind of insanity of, of polarization. And eventually they get old enough. They hear in school that it's good to go out and exercise and eat healthy food and save your money and whatever. They, those things get reinforced in the natural course of, of their lives. And they know where they've seen a model of that. And they start to put the pieces together. Exactly. Yep. Well, Tracy, I want to be very respectful of your time, but it is always fantastic to have you on the podcast thank so. you david <laughs> i second that <laughs> no i love talking to you guys and we could we could go on forever but um yeah and you've both been on my podcast and we'll have to do that again too laurie i've been bugging and bugging you we've got to do it why are you making our buggy i i really want to do that again yes <laughs> just i was gonna say call me i'll be on it but i was on it <laughs> <laughs> well we need to talk about that because we need to see if we want David on it. What? To play the role play thing that we were talking about. Oh, gosh. Sure. We can do that. I want to do a nacho role play on mm-hmm. my podcast. Interesting. Yes, we're going to do it. And it's going to be hilarious <laughs> for Sounds some like people. Fun. Sounds like fun. <laughs> for some people. No, I think it'll be fun because we'll, we'll, throw some, we'll throw some crazy situations in and see how would you, how would you handle that. We've probably lived all of them. <gasps> That, that reminds me of something. So just remind me to remind you of something. <laughs> okay. Tracy, can you tell the listeners how they can find you and contact you? Not your street address or anything, because people are weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, my my podcast is called Essential Stepmom. My website is essentialstepmom.com. And they can 
email me at info at essentialstepmom.com. There you go. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. Yep. (laughs) All right. Bye. 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 One of the things that I found really helpful that Tracy mentioned was write down your plans of discipline while you're calm. Don't try to come up with the discipline when you're angry and upset and Mm -hmm. about to flip out. (laughs) Now, granted, this is for the bio parent, not the step parent. Yeah. This is what I always did and always did wrong because it was like something would happen and like, you're grounded for a month. And then, you know, I mentioned that on the interview, but (laughs) then I look back at it and I'm like, that was probably, probably not a good discipline. (laughs) You know, I'm sitting here wondering how my mama kept up with how long I was on restriction. Because like I said, she would start off with a month. You were just always on it. Yeah. But I think she wrote it down in her checkbook. (laughs) You had a balance. (laughs) I had a balance. (laughs) Because think about it. She didn't really have the technology we have today to put it in the phone of, oh, reminder, Lori gets off restriction this day or extend Lori's restriction. Yeah. See, if you would have been part of a step family, the step parent would have kept up with that. Yes. Mentally. Yeah. Because the step parent goes, isn't Susie supposed to be on restriction? You said she was supposed to be on restriction. You said there was a month long restriction. It's only day 28 and you said it was supposed to be. And what you going to do about it? <laughs> what you going to do about it? That used to drive me crazy when you would do stuff like that. I wouldn't say what you're going to do about it. You would, you would no, you would remind me. Now let's clarify that's pre-nacho, David. It is pre-nacho. Okay. It is pre-nacho, but there are a lot of people on here that are pre or mid-nacho. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> or you. Or negative nacho. Yeah. Or they don't believe in it. But I'm telling you that drove me nuts and I'm sure it drives listeners nuts. It drives their significant other nuts, but it's. Mm. What you going to do about it? Yeah. It's like you would. Like, for example, uh-uh. one of the kids might be on restriction for a week and like day four, they're driving off and she go, and she, she just walk up to me and go, huh, where's he going? And I knew what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because David can't remember crap, but he remembers that. And he's right. Cause I would go, huh, where's he going? <laughs> I knew what that meant. Just a sweet little question. That's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing major. I just asked a question. You took the meaning and ran with it. Yeah. Look at me and tell me that ain't what it meant. I can't lie. (laughs) You know, I can't lie. (laughs) I know you well enough to know. All right. That was a rhetorical question. Yes. I like that word rhetorical. Okay. I'm tired. All right, folks. That is our show for today. Thanks for listening. Make sure that you share our show and leave us a nice review. And uh, don't forget to check out the Academy and the Club. Get in this weekend before the 31st, and you'll be added to the Barbados drawing. So you can check that out again at nachokids.com slash giveaway. Yep. Oh, and don't forget the stepmom view. You You can view a sneak peek of two questions, and then you can sign up to get the rest of them. Yep. And we are having great feedback on those. Absolutely. So go to stepmomview.com. You can uh, sign up for two free questions that they answer and get a sneak peek of what it looks like. All right. So remember for Lori and myself that life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.